0: Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now, with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes!
1: Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
2: I have to confess something.
1: A podcast with thousands of listeners is as good a place as any, Hannah.
2: Whenever I see an ad for retirement investing... Money is like life. You have to decide how to get the most from it.
0: Which means you can retire without retiring from life.
3: With retirement planning and advice for what you need today
2: and tomorrow. I get this creeping anxiety.
1: I have retirement accounts, and whenever I look at them, I just try to find something else to do.
2: Yeah. And I think to myself, well, you know what, Hannah, you're not afraid of the future. You've been paying into Social Security since you were probably 16. You're actually pretty lucky. You've got a full-time job and a retirement savings account. And I have even used one of those retirement calculator things online. And yet.
0: We ask people a question. How much money do you think you'll need when you retire?
3: 500000 Maybe half a million? Say a million dollars.
2: Full-on stomachache.
1: Isn't retirement supposed to be something that you, like, you look forward to? No more working for the man? rest of your life is just me time?
2: Sure. All that free time to do whatever you've always wanted to do. But then I think to myself, what am I actually going to do?
1: Can we pull back this existential shroud? Can we lift a little of our dread?
2: I think, in fact, we can. This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy.
1: I'm Nick Capodice.
2: And today, retirement. The golden years. The autumn years. The sunset years. Life at the crossroads. Can we please remove these words from our retirement vocabulary? Retirement doesn't mean that you pass into some shimmering, soft focus cloud of obscurity.
1: Thank you, I hate these euphemisms. The sunset years? No wonder I don't want to think about getting old.
2: Yeah, I feel like these terms make us sound like we'll become generic, one-dimensional versions of ourselves after we leave the workforce and become older. Not to mention the fact that they're a way around saying the word old.
4: I think we put down the, the whole concept of old. And and my, my mission I, I took on was to say the word old is not a bad word. I think it's really good to be old. I'm so much happier now than I was throughout my life.
2: This is Bart Astor. I called him up to talk about what we don't talk about when we talk about retirement.
4: I'm fascinated by the fact that we don't think about what's ahead. I mean, it's amazing. Everything becomes a surprise. I didn't know that my body would start failing, but yet it did. Of course it did.
1: Of course it did. It's bizarre, but I get it. Age sneaks up on you. A bad back sneaks up on you. I'm pretty sure I was 22 yesterday.
2: Yeah, there, there is a measure of existential dread that comes along with this stage of life, right? What's going to happen to my body, my brain? Will I have enough money? Can I ever retire? If I do, what is it even going to look like?
4: We have this image of what life is supposed to be like. And you know, it's it just not necessarily what it is. So I think that, that we don't we don't think ahead and then when we do, we, we're afraid that I'm going to sit around and eat bonbons and that'll that's going to be my retirement.
2: Does it have to be all lounging on the couch and eating bonbons? How do we make this transition as straightforward and predictable as possible? While Bart's helping us out with the existential, let's make the practical a little less mystifying, too. And the practical has a lot to do with government. Retirement, in a lot of ways, was designed by the federal government. There are three major things you need to think about when you think about retirement. That's Social Security, Health, and Savings. First stop, Social Security.
5: Maybe you've heard the term join the Navy and see the world while well, I joined the Social Security Administration. I didn't see the world, but I saw a lot of the country as we moved around uh, to different Social Security offices.
2: This is Tom Margineau. He worked for the Social Security Administration for 31 years in a bunch of different jobs. And these days he writes a column about Social Security and retirement. And before we do jump into Social Security as a retirement benefit, a quick caveat.
5: Social Security isn't just old people. What Social Security is, in a nutshell, it, it obviously is old people. It's retirement benefits and widows benefits. Those are two big parts of Social Security. But another big part of Social Security is disability benefits. We don't all stay healthy until we're uh, we reach our retirement years.
2: You can receive Social Security benefits for as long as the Social Security Administration says your condition is one that prevents you from returning to work. For some people, that is indefinite. And then when they do reach retirement age, their disability benefits convert into retirement benefits. There's also a survivor's program for spouses and children. Widows and widowers can collect part of their deceased spouse's benefit. Children can, too, until they turn 18.
1: I got it. So Social Security helps keep people secure in all sorts of situations, right? But it seems like they're all tied to the fact that someone was working at some point.
2: Yes. The Social Security Administration uses a credit system. So it's similar to the way that you earn college credits as you put in class time on your way to graduation. As of 2019, for every $1,360 you earn, you get a credit, up to four credits a year. The minimum is 40 credits to receive benefits, which get delivered once a month for the rest of your life.
1: So after about 10 years, you unlock the Social Security enhancement.
2: Exactly. And
1: before we get into details, have we always had Social Security in the U.S.?
5: The United States actually came a little bit late to the Social security game.
2: Social security was implemented in the U.S. in 1935.
5: Many European countries had social security systems long before we started doing it, which, for example, Germany had a social security system going back to the 1880s.
1: So what was it like before we had it? It's a long time to go without having a retirement safety net.
5: It was something like 60 or 70 percent of senior citizens before social security were living below the poverty level. They were living with their families. They were a lot of senior citizens ended up living in what were called poor houses because they had essentially no money. Uh, So Social Security grew out of this uh, era in this country when, uh, especially growing out of the Great Depression, as a part of Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal program, uh, some kind of system to provide some level of support for uh, older people. And again, eventually for disabled people and widows and widowers and so
2: on. The Social Security Act has been changed a number of times since 1935. But initially, it was just federally administered social insurance and we paid for it with payroll taxes.
1: When I look at my paycheck and there's that little area where Social Security is taken out, that's going into the Social Security pot at the end of the rainbow and it goes into one big pot, right? It's not just me saving for retirement.
2: Right. And we'll get into individual savings accounts in a bit. But of course, if you are making more, you are paying more into it. And your employer is also paying a percentage into that pot. So If you are self-employed and wondering why your taxes seem so high, that is in part because you are paying the entirety of the Social Security tax.
1: So do I get more from Social Security if I made a lot more money during my life?
5: The more money you put in the system, the higher your benefit's going to be. You know, Bill Gates is going to get a higher Social Security benefit someday than his maid is going to get.
1: What does that mean? Why would billionaire Bill Gates not get five million bucks a week or something from Social Security.
2: That has to do with something called rate of return. It's higher for people who earn lower wages over their lifetime. So Bill Gates's Social Security check, it is going to probably be higher than, let's say, his housekeeper's check. But the percentage of his total income is going to be way lower.
5: A rich person gets a higher Social Security benefit than a poor person. But again, as a sort of percentage of what they kicked into the system, The poor person gets a better deal out of the program. And that's one of the social aspects of Social Security is to raise the standard of living of lower income people in retirement by giving them this higher rate of return.
1: I've wondered, how does the Social Security Administration know that you're ready to collect your benefits to retire? Do you tell them? Do you give them a call or does your employer tell them?
2: You have to apply with the administration. So in most cases, you can do this online or over the phone. But there are also Social Security offices in every state in the country. You've got to be a few months away from age 62 in order to do it. But there are a lot of people in this country who spend years paying into Social Security who reach that retirement age and find that they are denied benefits.
5: You might be pumping money into the system. Matter of fact, Social Security actuaries will tell you that illegal immigrants currently pump about $2 billion a year in taxes into the Social Security system. People who've obtained numbers through nefarious means, but they're working above the table. Frankly, of course, a lot of folks like that work under the table, but there are some who actually get a Social Security card and work above the table and are paying money into the system. They're pumping $2 billion a year into the Social Security system, but they never collect a dime in benefits because if you're living here illegally, you're never going to get a nickel of Social Security benefit.
1: All right, so that's how Social Security is applied to undocumented immigrants. But I have another one I'm a little confused about. I've heard that by the time I retire, Social Security will have dried up entirely. What's the deal with that?
2: I have heard the exact same thing. And by the way, like way to up the ante on existential dread, right? And this is an issue that Tom really wanted to get out of the way.
5: The very first presentation I ever made about Social Security, somebody got up and said, I don't know why we're even listening to you because we all know the program's going to be broke long before we ever get benefits. And that was 50 years ago. If that guy is still alive, he was in his 30s at the time. You know, he's in his 80s now and he's been getting Social Security checks for 20 or 30 years now. For 50 years now, people have been telling me the system's going to go belly up before they ever have a chance to get benefits. Uh, but the system's been paying these benefits for 80 years now. I'm not quite sure how long it's got to be around before people finally accept the fact that maybe it's here to stay.
2: The deal right now is that Social Security's excess cash, their reserves, could run out a decade and a half from now if Congress does not pass any laws to help things out. But this is not the same thing as Social Security going broke. Now, there are certainly scenarios where we might receive less money from Social Security because, say, the economy tanks or we go into a recession. But things like this, reserves running low or economic crises, have happened in the past. And Congress has reacted.
5: Now, certainly, there, over the years, the system has had it's bumped up against various economic problems where, uh, and forecasts for that the benefits would might have to be cut or something. But over the years, every time this has happened, Congress has passed some laws and made some reforms to Social Security that keep the system going.
1: What kind of reforms?
2: Things like phasing in a higher retirement age tweaking tax rates for a period of time, adjusting the benefit formula. Wait,
1: adjusting the retirement age? Didn't the government sit down and say 65 is the perfect number?
2: Well, they did in 1935. But actually, 65 is not the national retirement age anymore. Uh, Reforms in 1983 mean that now the age is 66 and two months, if you are on the brink of retirement right now, But by 2022, that age will be 67.
1: Right. So I'll be retiring at 67.
2: Or later, even. It really all depends on what possible future reforms look like and what your bank account looks like. Also, humans tend to be living longer. You can start collecting retirement before you retire, but your longevity might be a
3: consideration for you. You might outlive your savings. But you cannot outlive your Social Security. And you want to make sure that your Social Security check is robust, uh, especially as you get much older.
2: This is Christina Martin for Vita. She's the vice president of financial security and consumer affairs at AARP.
1: Oh the AARP American Association of Retired Persons.
2: It actually used to be the American Association of Retired Persons. But there are a lot of people who are members of the group who are not yet retired. So now they just go by the acronym AARP. They're a pretty influential lobbying group in the U.S. that focuses on senior citizen
3: issues. So I lead up all of AARP's federal lobbying on retirement issues, including Social Security and pensions. And in addition to that, I also work on employment issues, housing, transportation, telecommunications, all sorts of important issues that people think about when they're getting ready to retire and they're thinking about their money.
2: AARP also sells memberships and lends its name to some health insurance companies for health care plans.
1: And they know when you turn 50. My friend just got home on his 50th birthday and the card was in the mail and he nearly died. So it's like Hogwarts for adults.
2: Yes. AARP does send you a membership invitation when you turn 50. How do they know? Well, in one of the articles that I read about exactly this subject, a rep from AARP said they get birthdays from, quote, companies that specialize in providing information to direct marketers. It's totally legal, even if it's
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes!
2: Can we get back to the show, Harry?
1: Okay, onward.
2: Your Social Security check is based on your average monthly earnings. The administration pulls from the highest earning 35 years of your employment. So you can estimate, depending on your age and your highest earnings, what your monthly check will look like when you start collecting. And that number will, barring changes in the law, be the same for as long as you collect.
1: And the longer you wait before you decide to collect Social Security, the bigger the check will be?
2: To a point. After you hit the national retirement age, you actually do get a monthly bonus if you wait to collect Social Security. But that bonus will only take you to age 70. And you're not going to make more than around 3500 bucks a month.
1: Okay, so I'm not going to get rich on Social Security checks. If I made the absolute maximum in Social Security, I'd make about... What, $42,000 a year, which seems like enough if the house and the car are paid off and I don't have any unexpected medical catastrophes or want to go on vacations.
2: Yeah. And most people are not even going to make that much from Social Security checks. The average is closer to
3: just under $3,000 a month.
1: Is that enough to live on for the rest of my life?
3: Very few workers have sufficient savings uh, to really make it on just their savings that's why we have Social Security the the idea of Social Security has always been to form the bedrock of your retirement income and uh, unfortunately for a lot of for a lot of retirees it's their sole source of income so to your question is it ever enough? It's probably not enough to have a comfortable retirement if it's the only source of income you have, but it is it's sadly for many their only source of income, which is why we definitely want to talk about some other supports. Lots of people out there depend on Social Security alone and plenty more rely on it to make
2: up about half of their income. So for many, many older Americans, it can make a huge difference to access various programs that make life easier to afford. And this is also where part two of the insurance puzzle comes in,
3: health care. You obviously want to think about signing up for Medicare, which is a very important benefit uh, after you leave the workforce. And then depending on, um, you know, for some folks, there are some additional benefits that a retiree can access as well. And those will include nutritional supports and some other supports that are really designed to assist retirees who have very low income in their post-work years.
2: There are thousands of these programs across the country to help with prescription drugs, housing issues, transportation, home care services, and the hundred plus other things that can crop up in retirement. All
1: right, it's time for me to confess something. My eyes just glazed over a little. When you mentioned Medicare, uh, only because health insurance is so much to comprehend, what do I need to know bare
2: bones? Okay, bare bones, Medicare. Medicare is federal health insurance. It's for people 65 and older, some younger people with disabilities, and people with kidney failure. Medicare is also funded by payroll taxes. And some elderly people are eligible for Medicaid, too, which is typically free,
3: comprehensive health care. But there is a catch. A lot of individuals are surprised that... They often will need supplemental health insurance or that they will need to think about um, budgeting for, uh, for the high cost of medicine. We're very focused on the high cost of drugs, and we are in the, in the middle of a, a really big push, uh, both at the federal and state level, to do something about high prescription drug prices. I, I want to make sure your listeners uh, realize that the median annual income for Medicare beneficiaries, is only $26,000. That is not a lot. All right, Nick, how are we feeling about the prospect of retirement so far? I honestly don't
1: know if I'm going to budget for the surprise stuff. I'm terrible at budgeting, first off. Um, what if I want to, like, travel to China or start a huge board game collection? Like, I don't want to just scrape by. Is it possible for me to not just scrape by?
2: Ah, uh, yes, Nick. We've arrived at part three of the wild world of retirement prep, savings. Oh, man. <laughs> Here's Tom again.
1: The
5: thinking was you should get about a third of your retirement income from Social Security, another third from savings or investments, and another third from maybe a pension from your employer. That that was... They always, they called it a three-legged stool.
2: It used to be relatively common for an employer to offer a traditional pension plan. When you left your job, your employer would provide you with retirement benefits based on a fund that they paid into and maintained. But the burden being on the employer is part of the reason that the traditional pension has become pretty rare. It's mostly government workers and a handful of private employees who get these now. After some unfortunate incidents in the 60s, including pension funds drying up, two things happened. One, Congress passed the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, ERISA, in 1974, which laid out some basic rules for retirement plans and established a corporation to cover pensions if that company does go belly up. Two, traditional pension plans started to decline.
1: So back in the day, a lot of people had sort of traditional pension options. That's like one leg of my retirement stool. And then maybe I've made some investments of my own or I've saved some. That's another leg. And Social Security is the third leg.
5: So a Social Security benefit is roughly for the average retiree. It represents something like 40 percent, 30 to 40 percent of their pre-retirement income. And then it's up to the person getting benefits to make up the other two legs of that stool so that it isn't a
1: wobbly stool. But if my pension leg is kicked off, I'm standing on a wobbly stool, Hannah. I would rather not be on a wobbly, two-legged stool the rest of my life.
2: Okay, it is not as easy as it used to be to have a nice, sturdy, three-legged stool of retirement. But there are options. Here's Christina
3: again. There's been more and more responsibility put on individual workers to save for their own retirement. In 1983, only 12% of workers were being put into a 401k style savings plan. But today, at the current time, 73% of workers who are offered any kind of retirement plan at work are offered only a 401k style savings vehicle.
2: There are tax-incentivized retirement programs out there that can help you save. Even if your employer doesn't offer you one, you can get a retirement account with a bank or a credit union or a broker. You can also make your own investments if you're lucky enough to have the funds or try to stash things away in a savings account. Even putting a little bit away, Christina says, makes a difference when the day comes to start planning out your retirement. Oh, and one more thing. Talk to someone who understands money. You don't have to and really shouldn't go through this process alone.
3: There are a lot of conflicts of interest. In the financial advice world, they're not all disclosed. It can be difficult to know what fees you're being charged, what commissions you're being charged, what recurring fees you're being charged. It's really important to ask those questions. They can be uncomfortable questions to ask. I know it from personal experience, but it's your money. You saved it. You need it for your retirement. And you need to know what's going to happen to your money. So make sure the advice you get is best for you. And the only way you can know that is if you ask those questions.
2: Okay, Nick, what do you think? Is retirement less of a dark, looming forest creature now?
1: It is still a lot to take in. But I feel like it has gone from being something I just didn't want to face to being something that's, like, possible to face now.
2: And necessary to face.
1: Whether I like it or not. But to be honest, I'm still not thrilled with the prospect. This whole thing still means at the end of my job and getting older and dealing with all this stuff that I don't want to deal with.
2: I think it's time to bring Bart back in.
4: I'm 70. I figure I'm going to live to be 90. Could be more, could be less. I could get hit tomorrow by the bus. Okay, but I have to assume I have 20 plus years.
2: The foggy shroud around retirement and aging has, I think, a lot to do with the fact that we don't want to pull back that shroud. For many people, money and aging does cause anxiety. And anxiety can mean that we don't prepare for what's coming because we just don't want to look at it. So Bart's advice? Look at it, people. It's coming.
4: The batter hit the ball. The, the ball, with, we we know it's coming at us. I'm, you know, I'm I'm 64 and a half, and I have six months before I get on Medicare or retire or whatever. It's like, duh. <laughs> I mean, it's the ball's already in the air, and it's not going to change course. It's not all of a sudden going to veer left just because um, I, I because I close my eyes, <laughs> you know. It's it's coming. Um, So I put my hand out and I catch the ball or I don't.
1: I want to catch the ball. I do. Though we may find the facts of retirement may be boring or intimidating. Basically, we have to pay attention if we want the whole thing to be smoother, less surprising.
2: Nick, should we run a final test to see if things have improved in the DREAD department?
1: I'm ready. Why are my mutual fund fees so high, my returns so low? and yet you guys keep putting up record profits year after year.
0: You'll see the results in the end. It's a long-term game. It's not a game.
1: It's my retirement. It's my family's future.
2: Getting real there, that was a tough one. But, uh, how do you feel?
1: I feel okay. I feel a little inspired, actually. How about you?
2: I, I think the shroud of dread has been lifted. I can successfully watch an entire 30-second retirement commercial without total dread.
1: Eyes on the prize, Hannah. There's just... (laughs) I feel like there's like one big ol' elephant that we're kind of skirting around here.
2: But we're paying attention. We're looking forward. We got it down. We're
1: not looking all the way forward, Hannah.
2: All the way forward?
1: All stories, at least the good ones, have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And Hannah, we got to take that step into the most existential of all life stages. (laughs) The final stage.
2: That's next time on Civics 101. This episode of Civics 101 was produced by me, Hannah McCarthy, with Nick Capadice. Our staff includes Ben Henry, Jackie Helbert, and Daniela Vidal Ali. Erica Janik is our executive producer.
1: Maureen McMurray has been planning her retirement party since she was a little girl. The theme is circus.
2: <laughs> Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions, Jazar, and Scan Globe.
1: There's so much to see and do at our website, civics101podcast.org. You can drop us a line or a donation if you're so inclined. We really really, truly couldn't make this show without your support.
2: Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio, and is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
3: You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.
0: The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes!